Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. I want to start off with some reflections from my book, Pro-Life Reflections for Every Day. And we read, Why do you look among the dead for the one who is alive? He is not here. He has been raised. That's Luke 24, 5 to 6. Reflection. How easy it is for people to seek the living one among the dead. Despair causes them to look to death as a solution. But death is never a solution. When we look to Jesus, we find the living one, and he strengthens us to choose life. Let us pray. Lord, we do not seek you among the dead. Grant that your people may never turn to death to take away their pain, but only to you, the living Lord. Amen. You can obtain this book, friends, at ProLifeReflectionsForEveryDay.com. I know that many of you have it and uh, nourishes your spiritual life and your pro-life commitment, and I am grateful that that's the case. I can see your comments coming in, so feel free to let me know that you're here, where you're from, and uh, what you might have on your mind, whether in terms of questions, comments, or whatnot. But uh, I'm going to be with you here just for 15 minutes or so to reflect on um, a reading that... I'm sorry, yesterday we had some technical difficulties. I... uh, I pre-taped the program and uh, there were problems with the uh, recording. So I actually want to give you the reflection I had given yesterday and that pertains to the readings that were read yesterday at Mass, which I'll read for you here again from the first letter of St. John, uh, chapter 5, verses 5 to 13. Let's read the reading and then I want to draw out some implications of it for an understanding of Christmas and also an understanding of our pro-life commitment. From the first letter of St. John, Beloved, who indeed is the victor over the world, but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is the one who came through water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by water alone, but by water and blood. The Spirit is the one who testifies, and the Spirit is truth. So there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And the three are of one accord. If we accept human testimony, the testimony of God is surely greater. Now the testimony of God is this, that He has testified on behalf of His Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has this testimony within himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar by not believing the testimony God has given about His Son. And this is the testimony. God gave us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. Whoever possesses the Son has life. Whoever does not possess the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you, so that you may know that you have eternal life, you who believe in the name of the Son of God. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, friends... Well, first of all, what does St. John mean about the world? Because he's talking about victory over the world. So what is the battle in which we have to gain victory, and who is the world? He's not talking about the world in the created sense, like we talk about the world, the whole world. He's got the whole world in his hands. 
No, you know, there was an ancient heresy, and this is part of what John is, is re responding to here, that said that God created spiritual things and all material things were created by an evil spirit. That's called dualism, and it's wrong. It's not Christian teaching. Christian teaching is that all things were created by God, and specifically through the Word of God, Jesus Christ. All things, as we say in the Creed, visible and invisible. So the body, the created earth, the things we're looking at right now, all creation is from God and therefore is good. Evil comes when we misuse it, disfigure it, uh, 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 use it in the service of sin and rebellion against God. And that's what John is talking about here. The world, meaning all those forces which are opposed to God. All those things that would serve evil or lead us into sin or contradict God's plan. This is what John is talking about as the world. We have victory over that. We have victory over evil, falsehood, the culture of death, abortion. Abortion is certainly part of the the world, as he speaks about it here, that which is at enmity with God. And who has the victory over the world? Who has the victory, in other words, over evil? Those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And what he's referring to there, as he goes on now in these next verses, because we're going to talk about what he means by the Spirit, the water, and the blood give testimony. He's talking about what Christmas celebrates. We are still in the Christmas season. It lasts for another Three days, today, tomorrow, and Monday. Tomorrow is the Epiphany. Monday is the Feast of the Lord's Baptism. And this culminates the Christmas season. It's the incarnation that Christmas celebrates. The whole reality of God becoming human. Now, we know when God became human, He started off, as we all did, as an unborn child. That happened nine months ago at the Annunciation. Mary said yes. Jesus took up residence within the womb of the Virgin Mary. And nine months later, we celebrate December 25th, the feast of His birth. But these two moments in time, the conception of Jesus at the Annunciation and His birth nine months later, are really all celebrated as one great reality of the Incarnation. And that, even though Christmas focuses on the Nativity, that is really at the core of what Christmas is celebrating. God, the Word, became flesh. So John is saying, when you believe that, you have your victory over evil. That faith in the Christmas present that God gives us in His Son gives us the Christmas present of eternal life. And when does it give it to us? Now. In other words, he, he, he gives it to us as soon as we start believing. Look at what John says at the end of this reading. I write these things to you that you may know that you have eternal life. Not that you will have it after you die or on the day that you rise from the dead. No. Sure you're going to have it then, but you have it now. This is a key element of Christian teaching. We have it now. John chapter 6, he who believes in me has eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. Okay. He came through water and blood, not water only. 
John is talking here again about an ancient heresy, the Gnostics, who said that it was when the Spirit descended on Jesus when He came up out of the water at His baptism that He became divine. That's when He, he became the Son of God. And then, sometime before he shed his blood, before the crucifixion, it left him. And so he died just a man. False. John says, Jesus Christ did not come just through water. He did not, at a certain point, become divine and then stop being divine. It wasn't a temporary phase. It wasn't just that the Spirit descended on him and, oh, then he, he, he was the Son of God, and, but then he didn't die as the Son of God. No. The fact of the matter is he was always the Son of God. He was always divine from all eternity. He was divine at his conception, at his birth. What child is this? The Christmas hymn asks and this reading answers it. And we have Jesus, the Son of God, dying on the cross. You know, it's literally true to say, God died. It's literally true to say, God shed His blood. It's the blood of God that is shed at the cross. Because Jesus doesn't lose His divinity when He's pierced with those nails or pierced with the lance in his side, and what flows out? Blood and water. And who was an eyewitness to that? Who was an eyewitness to the blood and water that testified to the Son of God, the author of this letter? The author of this reading is John. And what does John's Gospel say in chapter 19? We read the Passion, we read it on Good Friday. It says, the eyewitness tells you that this is true. The soldier came and pierced Jesus' side with a lance, and immediately there flowed out blood and water. Now, it pierced his heart, the blood flowed out, and the reason that water started flowing out after that is that all the blood of Jesus came out. All of it. He didn't just shed his blood for us. He shed every last drop of it. To the point that water, only water was left. And of course, there's great spiritual and sacramental symbolism here. Because the flowing out of that blood tell, talks to us about the Eucharist. In fact, the night before, he took the chalice of wine and he interpreted for those disciples the meaning of what would happen the next day. And in the process of that, changed it into his blood, as happens at every Mass. And then the water representing baptism. And the water flowing out of the side of Jesus on the cross that John witnessed, and that he had very much in mind, no doubt, when he wrote these words in this reading, the water testifies, not just the waters of his baptism, but the water from his side, no doubt he had in mind also the prophet Ezekiel who in the 47th chapter of his prophecy says, I saw water flowing from the side of the temple. What did Jesus call his body? A temple. Remember he said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. And the gospel tells us he was speaking of the temple of his body. From the side of the temple flowed water. Ezekiel prophesied. 
It's a prophecy of the, the um, death of Christ and the life-giving water that comes from that death. Water flowed in the Garden of Eden. Water flowed from the side of the temple in Ezekiel. And when you go to Revelation, you see water is flowing from the throne of God in the new and eternal Jerusalem. We are washed in water. The water testifies. Remember, Jesus said, I will give you springs of living water that will flow out from within you when you believe in me. A Samaritan woman at the well. If you knew who was speaking to you, you would ask him, and he would give you living water. What a blessing. What a gift. The water testifies. There is one who gives life, and his name is Jesus Christ. So, brothers and sisters, John Paul II, under whom I worked at the Vatican for a couple of years, wrote the encyclical, The Gospel of Life, and in there he points to Good Friday, He points to the flowing of the water and the blood from the side of Christ. And he says there, at the moment of greatest weakness, at the moment of the apparent victory of his enemies, at the moment of his death, Jesus gives birth to the people of life. John Paul says, we are the people of life, the body of Christ, and we find our birth there at the cross And he points out a number of signs of how life springs forth at the crucifixion. And we are the people of life. Another connection here with our pro-life commitment is this. Just as those Gnostics at the time St. John was writing this letter said that only the spiritual things are good and the physical things are not, And that therefore, Jesus testifies not through the blood. You and I are facing a society in which the human body too is often regarded as a possession rather than a person. You and I are human persons consisting of body and soul together. We are a union of body and soul. We are not a soul using a body. Sometimes people say, oh, I'm going to leave my body. No, you don't leave your body. You are your body, and you are your soul. So the human person is body and soul combined. Now, the spirit does survive beyond death, but that's just going to be a temporary separation. The body will rise. And the reason for the resurrection of the body is that God has created us to be both body and soul. The point being... The unborn are persons too. I remember counseling somebody who said, didn't know what to do about her pregnancy, wanted to get an abortion and said, well, I believe this is a baby. I believe God gave me the baby, but now I have to give the baby back to God. You're not giving the baby back to God. You're throwing the baby in the garbage. You're dismembering and decapitating the baby. What you do to the body, you do to the baby. She was talking as if she were a Gnostic. She was talking as if the baby was somewhere inside the body there. And she was just going to take the baby somehow and give him back to God. I don't know exactly how you do that. By having a, 
an abortionist come in with forceps and pull the head off the baby. That's not giving the baby back to God any more than shooting someone in the street is giving the person back to God. You're killing. You're committing violence. You're decapitating. You're dismembering. Gnosticism opens the way to abortion and euthanasia. Oh, my body's not working too well anymore. I'll just, you know, I'll just return myself to God. No, you're killing yourself. Can't do it. So, brothers and sisters, the Christmas season continues. And the victory over the world, the victory over the culture of death, the victory over abortion is in our firm belief that this human body, this human soul, this human nature that we all share and that our unborn brothers and sisters share has been taken up by God in Jesus Christ and shown to be so sacred, so holy, and destined for eternal life that that puts on us more of an obligation than ever. More than ever to speak up for them and protect them here on this earth. And let me draw one other lesson here, too. Contrary to the Gnosticism that still lives and reigns among us in various sectors, do not over-spiritualize the pro-life movement. There are some who, and I, and I must say, this is very, very dangerous, that some people will over-spiritualize the movement and say, well, we're just here really to uh, convert the souls of uh, these women that are getting abortions. It's not so much about saving the lives of the unborn. Oh, yes, it is. Are you kidding me? We're saving lives. As of course, we're saving souls as well. If you turn a woman away, I mean, I oversee the largest ministry in the world for healing after abortion, and the largest ministry of those who've had abortions and speak out about it. We're talking about Rachel's Vineyard and Silent No More, two aspects of the ongoing work of Priests for Life. You know, of course we know about the saving of souls. I've uh, absolved in confession uh, women who have had as many as 26 abortions. I've absolved uh, 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 practicing, uh, uh, those who used to practice, Abortions, that is, commit them, who've killed thousands of children. Brothers and sisters, there's no doubt that we're responding to the need to convert souls and, and save the spiritual lives of people. But never reduce the pro-life movement, never reduce the pro-life movement to merely... And I don't say merely in the sense that it's a small thing. It's a big thing. The saving of the souls. We're saving bodies too, and we must. So let's pray. Lord, bless the pro-life effort today and bless the, uh, the continued celebration of Christmas and bless us constantly with a renewed appreciation of the dignity of the human body, which is just as personal as the soul. And enable us, Lord, to make great advances for the culture of life in the coming months and years of work that you give us to do. Keep us all faithful to this work. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Just one final comment. You know, last night uh, the Speaker of the House was elected. Now Speaker Kevin McCarthy, I know him. He knows me. We've, we've done work together. We've been in meetings together over the years. Uh, he is committed to the pro-life cause, and we look forward to working together with him and with the new House of Representatives 
There will be three pro-life measures passed in the coming weeks. A uh, resolution in favor of the pregnancy centers, a, res uh, a bill to stop taxpayer funding of abortion, and a bill to expand protections for babies born alive after a failed abortion. Stay tuned to our broadcast and our emails. Go to endabortion.us, our main website, and keep informed about these initiatives because we're going to keep you posted as soon as they unfold, and we're going to get these things done together in the name of Christ, who is the Lord of life. So thanks so much for being with me. We'll be live again tomorrow morning at 10, the Feast of the Epiphany, with more reflections on the scriptures. And this, my friends, is a relic of St. John Paul II, some of his blood. Let's pray now through his intercession. May John Paul II, by his teaching and example, inspire us always to defend life as he did, to proclaim the gospel of life. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. John Paul II, pray for us. And I pray for you, friends. God bless, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.